what's she doing? Climbing off a fence. Oh, you should watch yourself. You're nearly 50. You're going to say I was nearly 50 then? I might be nearly 50 then, but at least I can focus. What? Little pierce my foot on a spike. <laughs> 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 Right, I think we should just go for it. Good evening, chaps. How are we? Hello. Good. <laughs> Cheers, Harry. Good. Um... Well, that was a good start. Blimey. Harry, what, what, what's really the matter, Harry? You Nothing's the matter. I, I'm eating dinner. I've just had dinner. What? Is that what the question was? I thought you said what you're having for dinner. No. Yeah, but you just said, oh. I'm eating dinner. I've just had dinner. Which one is it? <laughs> well, I would say I'm 95% of the way. I've got one pork pie left. <laughs> what are you for dinner? A salad with two pork pies. Fair enough. That's, um, that's one of my dad's special salads, that is. A pork pie salad. <laughs> I don't want to hear about your dad's special salad, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so you, you've been busy today, haven't you, Harry? Been, you've been getting x-rayed and all sorts. Yeah, I drove three hours to get a five-minute x-ray. It was great. <laughs> Again, why? Well, because why, I'm... Why is your life so difficult? <laughs> why three hours? <laughs> well, because I had to drive all the way to Canterbury, because that's where I'm at uni. Uh, of course, yes. And my uh, doctor is still in that surgery, and they didn't want to change it, because I've still got mm. half a year of uni left. Makes so sense. they COVID, said basically. I had to go... Mm, so they said I had to go all the way there. And it's literally, isn't it, just walk in, walk out. I didn't realise how quick it would be, to be honest. So, <laughs> And I purposely rode yesterday, I rode yesterday really hard to try and get my chest worse so that when I had the x-ray, it'd be even more obvious what was going on. But mm. I've actually, it, but instead, I think my heart rate went so high. I hit a new heart rate record for like two years. So now, and it actually seems to have fixed it. So I've actually done the opposite of what I wanted to do, which is even right. more. So you've you've smashed COVID out of the park with heart rate. Just with two hundred and four heart rate is the key to solving COVID, is what I've found. So if anyone's wondering, then just yeah, hit two hundred plus BPM, and I think nice. that'll destroy it. Yeah, that's, that's so I, I really have that same problem. Bad advice. Mine goes mine goes above two twenty, <laughs> doesn't it? You know, I have my little like asthma blips. <laughs> It goes, oh, to yeah, like, yeah, yeah. it goes to like two thirty. That's incredible. That's yeah. like a new, That's higher than like most of my rides power. Yeah. When your heart rate's higher than your power, there's a small issue. Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> is there like a um, is there like a metric for like um you know what's per kilo? Is there like a what's per heart? What's per BPM? Beats <laughs> per what? Yeah, yeah, probably. That's how I'm going from now on. We'll have to ask Alex. <laughs> is, is that a useful metric? So you're so essentially you're saying then that you need to have as many coffees and caffeine gels as possible before and during a ride to get to pump those kind of heart rate numbers up. Or do you think it's less the be- the less is better, isn't it? I suppose. Yeah, like that's if you're pumping it, out is... 800 watts at 100 BPM, then that's pretty decent. <laughs> That sounds like what Alex Dowsett does. I've seen his data. He has a, I think he rides at about 400 watts at about 120 beats per minute. Yeah. Does it, does it get to a stage where like a Formula One car, where it's no longer um, like power to weight, it's no weight to power ratio. Just to flip it around. <laughs> yeah. 
weight to the power ratio. That hurts my head a little bit trying to work out what that means, really. I don't know. We've got a bit off topic here already, and we're only about three minutes in. We haven't even started on a topic. True. This is, is this a topic? What beats per what? You can say that's a topic. A what per what? A what, a what squared what? <laughs> so I've got some news. I told Sam already, Harry. I'm sad. Oh. I'm drinking. Oh. Oh, I know. oh, no. What are you drinking? So, uh, red wine. Oh, that's um, all right. Yeah. So I've had... I've, I've heard from my insurance and it's not good news they're, they're saying that me losing my wheel is my fault <laughs> what, did it roll away how did you lose it or have... I don't, you did, did, we, did we tell you no you didn't oh, elaborate you didn't elaborate oh, of course. You, just said, you just said that yes. it, was pen, it was pending pending investigation like... so it's been yes. investigated and the case has been <laughs> shut firmly in my face <laughs> Um, so now what I did was I went riding in the Surrey Hills, drove there on the, on the mountain bike, uh, had my nice ride, lovely time. And then, cause my bike's quite long, I have to take the front wheel off to put it in the car and right. I didn't put my front wheel in the car and I drove home. No. How's that possible? How is Three that? To... How is that? I mean, a lot of people have asked me that. I'm like, cause I just did. I forgot it. <laughs> I've done it before where I packed my stuff in the car, thought just to be sure that I not left anything and driven turned around and gone back to make sure i haven't forgotten no, anything see, I, no i I'm, I'm a i'm a committer once i'm gone i'm gone <laughs> there's not many rides that i've done with seb where something dramatic hasn't happened and most of like, the time oh, there's been a time when post, you yeah. thought you were dying and you had to go home the time <laughs> The time you did an endo with no feet in the middle of a ride for no reason and snapped a seat post in half. Uh, <laughs> the time when I had to physically stop you from laying down because you would never get up again in the middle of a ride. Uh, you broke a linkage once and had to go home early. Because yes, that's true. Probably. Yeah, so it's, it's a laugh a minute and you never know what you're going to get. Seb, good time. You know you're gonna get but, something. You just don't know what. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, if if I knew how I left my front wheel there, probably wouldn't have left it there. <laughs> so did someone nick your wheel then? Well, that, that's, tech, well, that's that's what I went down. So the, the the official wording I put in was, and I had to do a video message saying this. So I, I, I happily <laughs> did not lie during it. Um, I said I rode there. I left my front wheel. I drove home as soon as I realised, which is true. As soon as I realised I left my front wheel there, I drove back. Didn't say that time frame. It was four hours later. Um, <laughs> as soon as I realised, four yeah. hours, half a day later. Um, yeah. <laughs> I drove back and it wasn't there. But I knew exactly where I left it. So technically, by the rest of the law, that is stolen. You just left it there on goodwill. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it was in a public <laughs> goodwill. car park. Yeah, goodwill. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, so someone's got one wheel. And not the other wheel. So maybe look on eBay and see if someone's looking for another rear wheel to match their. Seb is front. always looking on eBay, regardless. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so that that's annoying then. I, I mean, the worst yeah. bit is I, I wish at least I um run it over so like I smashed it so no one could use it. <laughs> yeah, but then yeah. you'd be able to get you'd be able to claim if you ran it over and broke it that way. That's true. Yeah. You crashed into your own wheel. Yeah. So I, I, I get completely get why they didn't accept my claim. It was entirely my fault. 
but that bit's a bit messed up, isn't it? That like a genuine mistake of me losing something's not covered, yet you could deliberately run something over and claim it back and get your thing back. Yeah, what's to stop people just yeah, just running over their bike because well, they want that's, a new one? That's why insurance is so high, isn't it? And because there's all these easy ways of getting around it. See, I would, yes, still, I would just panic that somehow I would they would know. I don't know, just morally I just I just wouldn't do that. But I guess I guess for all the people that have those morals, there are people that don't, and therefore that's why insurance is high, as you said, Seb. Exactly. Oh, so it's like the um like those deals where they say you free returns or whatever within a year and people use it for three hundred and sixty four days and return it and just get a new one and they just do that all the time, don't they? It's because yeah. people are dicks. That is true. Mm, like the person yeah. that stole your front wheel. Yeah. 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 Just like in Pinocchio, people voted for the Nazis and like Coldplay. You can't trust people. (laughs) (laughs) So that that, that was last week. Uh, But this this week's been great. Went for a ride on the weekend. Me and Chris got out again. So lovely, nice, quite good weather. Yeah, I think it was it was chilly, but um, it was fairly fairly dry in bits, and then really muddy in bits as well. But yeah, it was good good ride. I went went across the sort of Sisbury that area of the South Downs. Very nice. Sam, get up to much much riding? Yeah, I got I did uh eleven and a half hours last week. Yeah. Getting the big boy hours in. Um yeah, Emma went out shopping. Uh so I had a mysterious um three hours on the bike on Saturday pretty much. Um watching Strada. It was the best. It was lovely. A real treat for me. Um, so thank you for that, my dear wife, um, who definitely doesn't listen to this podcast. Um, <laughs> and then on Sunday, I got out. I went out at half six in the morning um, with Kev from Crawley Wheelers. We went on a lovely uh, mountain bike ride. And for some reason, I thought it was going to be dry. In my head, everything was dry it was and frozen. It was absolute sopping, it? carnage. <laughs> I sort of thought with that, like, do you reckon it's because it ran, like I say, ran to be froze. It was quite nice in the week running up. I reckon if it wasn't frozen, it wouldn't have been as wet. Like all the moisture was like drawn up yeah, from it freezing yeah, and defrosting slightly. Yeah, I actually had my first crash for a while on my mountain bike. Really, <laughs> really lame and pathetic, but it was like a bog basically. And Kev went into it and I had to unclip. And I, so I saw the way he went. So I went to go round it and just out of nowhere, my bike just went sideways and i just but it was slightly downhill so i landed and then slid for quite a while just completely covered myself in mud it was in in like a bog so that was fun yeah the thing is though this year this summer's gonna be the summer of crashing we're gonna be pushing pushing limits on corners (laughs) yeah it was nice though yeah i got out for about four hours that day so that was um that was good i used i had a tin foil nightmare last time i put tin foil in my shoes and who would have thought? But tin foil basically shreds itself inside your shoe. Well, why did you do that? Insulation. To keep, my, to keep my feet warm. Yeah. So I learned from that, and I used cling film this time, and it was my feet stayed really warm. It was really good. Did you use overshoes, or have you already you've already put those on? I would hope. So I had socks, cling film, shoe, uh, Belgian booties, overshoes. Wow! So you just get very cold feet. Layered up, baby. And then I got some hand warmers, like petrol station hand warmers, and shoved them down the back of yeah. my gloves. 
wasn't that it's cold, just, was it? Well, tr- well <laughs> I was at half say, six. It was in Antarctica. That's but true. I went out at eight. eight, eight so. But by the time I met Kevin, it was we were in Tilgate. I was absolutely sweating, so I had to de- <laughs> derobe and get rid of a lot of that stuff. But oh, of no, course, because you, you you got your like your hour ride to Tilgate, didn't you? Yeah, so little little warm up along that on the um, yeah, worth away. Very nice. Yeah, mm. but it's nice to get out mountain bike. It's the first time I've ridden my mountain bike in ages, and um, no, it was good. I thought I was going to be less less skilled than I was, so a bit more. No, I, I, I think the last time we pro rode mountain bikes was um, must have been two. No, it must be last summer when I came up to Tilgate, wasn't it? Yeah, I think yeah, I've ridden for been, ages. Yeah. And when, when the woman worry. shouted at us, when she shouted two metres at us because we rode too closely to her. Oh, yeah. And I told her we were brothers. Yeah. <laughs> and then we met her like 10 minutes later and, and we're like, sorry, we got the wrong end of the stick. We were yeah. too close to you, not to each other. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, yeah, it's nice riding my mountain bike, but it brings me on to maybe our first, our first topic of conversation is how much bike is enough, guys? I want to bring up. You know, my bike is a a one thousand pound Scott scale hardtail that uh, two weeks later my dad managed to find in the sale for six hundred and eighty pounds. I'm not bitter about that. How much difference do you reckon? You know that compared to I'm not saying like a top end, you know, nine grand bike or whatever, but what four thousand pounds? That's probably. I mean, even that's that, probably for, average, isn't it? I suppose if you, it, it's obviously getting more and more expensive. But like, I'd say at the moment on a mountain bike, what you'd notice for your one, for example, as, as I do know your bike, so I'd say you'd notice different um, wheels, and you'd notice a different fork. Everything else, I don't think you notice a difference on. Mm-hmm. I think that's the thing with mountain biking is like you want your wheels light enough that it can be reactive and i'll say your your wheels are pretty damn heavy so like it's not that balanced when say you go over rough stuff or you're in the air like that it, it's a bit tail heavy and suspension you want decent suspension decent tires tires you've got decent ones off so i think a fork with just more control and more consistency uh, and sort of like more when you can adapt more on it and you can change more and set it up better for what you need i think you'd notice that Everything else, I don't think, makes a difference. As long as your brakes stop you, as long as your gears change, doesn't make a difference. Yeah, and I think that, like with gears, it's such a big thing about DI two and all that stuff. And if you can have it, then great. But changing gear, if it might feel a little bit worse or whatever, but it will still change gear. And therefore, is that going to make any difference in a race or in a group riding situation? Well, I suppose it... they're heavier as well, aren't they? So, yes, there is a the weight. Just, yeah. It must be. Yeah, but then but a bottle I of water it... weighs six hundred grams. Yeah. yeah. So just so it's that. it. I think I remember there was some data from like when Di Two was first coming on. They were sort of saying, oh, I think it might be the SRAM one. They could when you could measure what shifts you do, and it's how much more likely you are to shift with Di Two because it's less effort. So like that, that's going to make you obviously ride better because you're changing gear more regularly. You're, you're more on the optimum gear. And say like you've got some old crappy cables, but it's not nice to shift. Like it's quite an effort to shift the front derailleur that's not like a lot of shit cables on it, or it's like sticky and not start properly. Was with the I two, it's literally just a, it's the same effort to change no matter what, no matter what situation you're in. Whereas like if you've suddenly got to, you've killed yourself up a climb, then you've got to smash it into the big ring and your and your front K 
table is a bit janky and it's not set up very nicely. It's a proper effort. So you're more likely to want to just not bother doing that shifting. Yeah. So, so, so that that side of it is is if it's sort of it's so detrimental to making you want to shift or not, I think that's when it's worth upgrading. If if say you could feel the difference, or if that's just more have it set up properly, have nice cables so it does work well. I don't think necessarily the level you're shifting level of like gear you've got matters too much but i'll say how it's set up probably makes much more of a difference like if you yeah. put the top if you put dura race cables in sora it will shift like dura race a good point that, that, that that's where it all is it's all in the fancy cables not in necessarily the the levers yeah i guess it's sort of the um it's like maybe i maybe it's just me that has this or maybe other people do but it's like it's the fear that after all the hard work you're putting in and the skills and the effort that the bike is letting you down and therefore you could do better at races or you could do better on Strava and all that stuff based on, based on the bike. And I think that fear is so much bigger in your head than what it would actually be in real life. Yeah. Yeah, I think so. But it's also, that's why I think it's so much about feel, isn't it? Because if it feels nice, then I suppose you feel like the bike's quicker or better or more reliable, or whatever. So you, it's like carbon wheels feel different, don't they? Even if you get super shallow carbon rims that are the same weight or maybe even heavier than a box section with the exact same PSI, or whatever, whatever, they do still feel different. And if it feels different, along with DI2 or whatever, and if you've got, I don't know, yeah, different shifters or or the rest of it. Maybe it that's that's the difference. Maybe you just yeah. feel it's nicer to ride. I don't know. So I think for most people, if you pumped up your mountain bike tires to fifty psi instead of twenty, most people would end that ride thinking the bike was faster and more responsive, just because yeah. they've been battered about a lot more. It's the mm. old like you drive a mini, you drive a BMW. Yeah. It's like one feels <laughs> faster one is faster <laughs> I, I believe i believe the term is hysteresis is what the old marginal gains podcast always going about ah that's important okay. important to know yeah so basically i was sort of riding the mountain bike and enjoying it and stuff but in the back of my mind i'm thinking is you know i want to know that i'm doing the best i can and i sort of with all my bikes you know because it's that classic marketing thing of this thing is going to make you better like in golf you know, buy this driver, you'll go 10 yards further. Whereas actually, if you spent the same money down the driving range, you'll go 20 yards further with your same club. I suppose they're, they're not, they're not lying. It's like, yeah, yeah, you, you can, you can get that performance gain. It's like, there might be better ways of getting that same or cheaper ways of getting that same, but I suppose you can't discount buying upgrades. Can you really? It's like, it's still a proven no. method of getting performance. And it's, it's one that, it's almost it's a, it's a consistent performance measure that like if something is x amount faster it will always be x amount faster no matter what yeah i think it's we should ex- create an algorithm for amount of cost to time saved and then if it meets that criteria it's then a sensible purchase rather than just an indulgent purchase well, well i know and per second you could work it out as yeah because yeah. I, I know the weight we weight we need for them always do like um grams per pound so like there's certain things like tubes and tires are a massive grams per pound but then you get into like ceramic speed carbon jockey wheels it's like well they're suddenly you're like 
six hundred pound a gram. It's like, is it really worth it then? Yeah. Uh, yeah. So yeah, I'm basically not going to buy any bikes at the moment because I'm trying to save for a house and make my accounts um, not so, look like I just spend things on not so finance. <laughs> so boring <laughs> but maybe after that i might be able to buy one but then that's the trouble because i've got i've got basically three you know decent bikes like way better than you know most most bikes that people have and stuff like that people Enough. go oh my god it's, it's how much you know like non-cycling people but then if i have the opportunity to upgrade one of them and get like a you know a really really good one it's really difficult to know that what do you where do you spend the money because what I want to do changes throughout the year. Like I ride different stuff. So maybe I just won't buy anything and just invest the money in, I don't know, Bitcoin. Socks and shares, <laughs> yeah, that's it. Socks and shares. <laughs> Socks and share CDs. <laughs> well, that, that's the name of the podcast anyway. <laughs> there we go, yeah, easy. So I suppose that sort of, in a, in a little bit of a tangent, Leads you on to your big money idea. My big money idea. Right, guys. Big money bacon. Strap in, because me and Seb are going to have a fight and I'm going to kick him out of the group. Because I I disagree (laughs) with this idea so much. (laughs) So I was listening to the Cycling Tips podcast the other day and they were interviewing a guy from a company called Dash, I think it's called. And um, they lease bikes in the same way that people lease cars. Um, the difference with them is that they do everything for a rider. So they can provide a helmet, they provide insurance, everything that someone needs to get set, set up on an e-bike. And the Cycling Tips podcast, I was hoping they were going to go down the road of the sort of thing that we're going to talk about now, but they didn't, which is why I want to talk about it. But they ended up sort of just chatting about cycle to work scheme and commuters and things like that. But I guess it's different in America, the system you know how people buy stuff and you know how they lease things so i was thinking well you know like leasing a car why couldn't you lease you know a six seven thousand pound super bike and then you pay it off but then just like with the car you then have the option to pay for the rest of it at the end or you give it back you carry on paying your monthly fee and you get a brand new bike so every four years and I think with e-bikes, that's even more important because that sector is changing so rapidly and people are a bit unsure about how long the batteries last and things like that. And e-bikes are much more in that sort of realm of money anyway. You know, you do that, you rent an e-bike for, what, £100 a month, £80 a month, and then you hand it back, get your new one, carry on. Discuss. So my 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 thing it's sort of against it is... Like the car, obviously they're massive, massively different industries, aren't they? So sort of the, the bike market is tiny compared to the car market and sort of even like how much power car companies have and how much money they've got. But they, they've almost, they've got like a secondhand market set up that they were sort of like approved used cars and, and all that sort of business. Where the the bike market is sort of all Facebook buy and sell, eBay, it's, it's not as much like a, a structured thing with sort of warranties that make, make you want to go and buy an approved purchase or like an approved bike afterwards you wouldn't go to buy oh i want a specialized tarmac from specialized because probably for the amount of bikes they sell specialized don't want you to buy a second hand tarmac they want you to buy a brand new one and even from that it's like 
is there enough demand to have all these new bikes out there? Is there suddenly going to be enough demand for all these second-hand bikes when you've got flood in the market every three years, you're going to get a massive turnover bike. Do people, is there enough people that want to ride bikes? I imagine at the moment with the massive cycling boom, we're going to come up to a stage in six months, a year's time where there's going to be a horrendous amount of second-hand bikes, ridiculously cheap, which would be great for us. But <laughs> Bargains. W- w- will it reach a tipping point where sort of the bike boom's over and we're just left with tons and tons and tons of just bikes that no one wants to go and no one can sell on because there's just a constant influx of new new bikes coming on that sort of are barely used or barely cared for because people don't want to they don't have to look after it because they know they're going to give it back in two years time or what if the cycling boom does continue to grow you know if we think positively about these things you then have a load of secondhand eight thousand pound bikes that suddenly can be leased for much much cheaper and are Mm -hmm four years old or so they've been serviced by a mechanic and they've been looked after because you get a free service plan with the bike that you get for a local bike shop so it's bringing money into the local bike shops and servicing you know you get walk-ins you get people buying accessories just saying guys i think the future i suppose from that you almost need (laughs) you need bike brands to sort of have approved dealership or like approved service places so like you must get like a little service record of your bike, which probably is, it would be a good thing in that in that respect of like actually having to prove that you have care for your bike this whole time. Yeah. So I've I'm got supposed- a fact here. This is Holland. So obviously a much more uh, bike ready place, obviously, but it's just quite interesting. Um, 1.1 million new bikes sold in the Netherlands in 2020. And there's only 17.5 million people that live there. And half of those bikes were e-bikes, which I thought nice. was quite an interesting stat. I, I think I, I, I look up the dash thing just then as well. And I think the commuter space they're sort of going for, almost like what Boris bikes do, that, that side of it is really good. Is that like you don't ever own the bike. You just sort of borrow it momentarily. Yeah. Even if you say you leased it for, say, a month at a time, it's more like you're hiring it. but. A more in a more convenient way or sort of a more regular way imagine all the um all the stems that wouldn't be cut but slammed because you can't that's <laughs> you can't true modify. yeah oh, oh, oh. there's do- donut holders everywhere <laughs> <laughs> that's how you tell someone who's leasing it rather than has yeah. bought it that people will like look down you yeah, you can pay up front for your bike <laughs> rather than just being a brand new but everyone will be on brand new bikes that rather than seeing the s works tarmacs and be like that's on finance you can now be like just leased. <laughs> or everyone's buying just a, a spare set of forks for their leased bike just to yeah to, to cut it yeah, yeah. so the, the increase in forks goes up by 200 <laughs> <laughs> percent. i just i'm sure there are you know as you're saying said that there's clearly reasons why because surely someone would have done it by now because the leasing market for cars like you know i don't know it must be a crazy it's, high percentage of cars that are leased because it's just how people can afford it basically definitely uh, i think that's more my my prejudice against leasing and sort of renting in general there's i'm not a fan of it at all and yeah. I, i'd much rather buy something than honestly, i know it it doesn't work for everyone but i'd much rather own something than month having a monthly payment for it or sort of being in debt to your your hobby oh, yeah, definitely. Such. and that's like mm. people 
like Europeans are very much about renting houses and things. It's mm-hmm. it's a very British thing, isn't it? Owning your own house and and stuff like that. So, um, yeah, I suppose is it it, it could work really well, but there's a lot of things that need to be in place to to make it work and sort of like political changes and sort of cultural changes to to make it yeah. work. That it's not just a massive money grab. And Do you I think guess it would, the price of bikes as well, though. Do you think if so at the moment you'd class like a top top kind of tier bike is ten grand plus, wouldn't you? Maybe eight grand plus. Which so is then, horrendous. That, that's horrendous, yeah. And that's out of out of the reach for most people that ride a bike. So do you think if all of a sudden if this financing scheme were to come into play, all of a sudden not two percent of people can buy these bikes, but twenty-five or thirty-five percent. So then yeah. in turn that reduces that value of an S-Works in terms of its prestige, doesn't it? Because when you see it, you buy an S-Works because it says S-Works. You don't buy an S-Works necessarily because like it, it, that's why it's called an S-Works, not a Specialized. So then do you not think in turn there's that risk of the com- Specialized, for example, just going, okay, well, instead of our top tier bikes being 10 grand, we're going to market them at 15 because they've become more affordable. And then it just bumps it. Because if you think about it, you just you just moved your demand up the rank of your bike so all of a sudden the bottom ranks all the bikes with 105s and tiaga and stuff are just going to be worthless no one's going to buy them are they so they've got to try and rejig somehow the demand through their range so that yeah. it stays the same you've, i think you've, probably what would happen you've got to like restructure the pricing to make the ones you want to sell seem like good value rather than being like well you can get 105 one for 20 pound a month less than a s works why would you why would you do that because then it, you wouldn't feel special would you if everyone if you rock up to a ride and you've got the top of the range of Carnago, everyone's like oh my god you got that it's awesome whereas if you turned up and 17 other people have got the same bike you'd be like oh i don't feel so special anymore on my 15 grand bike and i suppose that the price doesn't almost matter then either because like how much is it how much is a new golf now does anyone know what how much cars cost anymore no i literally like, only know cars by how much they are a month yeah, and that but I'm I about, like, the total I think they're about aren't they? Seventeen grand, twenty grand for like it's almost like back. it's insignificant now, isn't it? Because no yeah. one buys a new car, and it, it, imagine it would go the same way. It's like they could just put the price whatever they want to be, because you'd be like, oh, there you go, it's fifteen grand if you want to buy it. But if you lease it for two hundred quid a month, it will end up being ten grand over three years. You'd be like, I'll do that one then. Yeah, yeah. I think a golf's more like twenty five, thirty grand. Yeah, I reckon it's up there like that now. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's ridiculous amounts of money but again because no one ever looks at it it, it doesn't matter they could be a million pound but if it's yeah. 150 pound a month or whatever people it doesn't matter does it it's just what it, it is what it because is the, uh, they, and they know that they can sell that and at the end of it they'll get a, a car that they can then sell on second hand and make more money from it which yeah. i suppose is what you you'd hope specialized would do yeah i guess as well in our little echo chamber of bike racing and stuff you think that, that that's where the demand is but as far as the future of bikes and bike companies are going, they're not, they don't care whatsoever about S works and fancy road bikes and mountain bikes. It's all about e-bikes. It's all, you know, all those sorts of things. So if this were to come about, it would be a happy nicety if those bikes could be included on those sort of systems. But, you know, people are buying golfs and an e-bike is the golf of the bike world, isn't it? You know, the people aren't looking at Porsche (laughs) 911s and stuff like that and Carrera GTs um you know that's not their main their main focus you might get the bespoke people who are doing it but for the majority of people it's all about the ease 
I think it it could work. Do I agree with it? No. However, with a lot of other people's changing, I think it's it's definitely viable. And more how the world's going, so it, it's going to happen eventually, isn't it? It's more a matter of when, not if. Yeah, I guess it, you know maybe one day it will it will go back the other way because like you like you said the other day, said when I suggested this topic, you know, software, phones, cars, houses, clothes. Yeah you know tv like pretty much you know sofas so many things are just now sort of not really in your possession fully no it's like all you want is a monthly payment and a subscription if you know you're, you're getting that constant cash coming in as a company it's just you never have a cash flow problem so it's, it's yeah it will happen and i guess with people it sort of it stops you from saving money because your money's going out every month like I can't buy a second-hand car because I'm spending the money each month on my new car that I'm leasing. But yeah, and if I were to stop, I would then be able to do that, which is probably yeah. a much more financial, financially you have, sound way. <laughs> but you have no reason to stop because you just get a worse car for the same amount of money and less has- yeah. and more hassles. It's like it's sort of there's, I suppose, living paycheck to paycheck is probably more giving more commonplace just because that's the way the world's going is that you need to have monthly money, not sort of savings. Yeah. So that, yeah, that's going to be a fun chat with my mortgage advisor soon. <laughs> it's easy. I must say, I was actually, I was surprised at how easy it was to get a mortgage. Like oh, how I'm little, hoping it will be all right. How little checks they actually do is, is good. Oh, good. And what if you get a bad these, credit, um, five get pound credit, bets? <laughs> yeah. Bet 365 is in a lot of money, aren't they? It's the classic season. I've got, I can't. <laughs> All we come out as a net, if we come out net positive, we're happy. Yeah, absolutely. Um, speaking of which, have we been watching the racing, gentlemen? There's been lots going on, and there's been some absolute crackers. I can tell you about two races. That's all I've um, all I've seen. Okay, and they're both they're both Stradbianca. <laughs> Talk us through Strada Benka then. Just, might as well start with that. doesn't matter about um, doing it in chronological order. So, women's, women's Strada Bianca was on about two hours before the men's had finished, I think. Yeah. And I turned it on to see eighth place across the finish line. So I mis- misjudged that one a little bit. Um, but I believe it, what happened was, uh, with about 40k to go, uh, Mariana Voss and Anna McVan Vluten attacked or I think Voss attacked and Van Vluten followed which in any other race in the world would be done over those two going up to the best riders to ever race are away they're staying away but um what Bowles Domans called now SK Works is it like SK yes yeah SK Works Works being the little um power tool range everyone has those little pressure washers is it them oh I don't know maybe yeah that makes sense Maybe, maybe it's different works but yeah so um, they had four riders left in like the final 20s. They smashed it on the front and um, they managed to bring them back. And then uh, Chantal Black and, oh, Elisa Longo-Bagini for Trek Segafredo uh, got away. And because um, SK Works had those people in, in, in the group still, Chantal Black just sat on um, and let Longo-Bagini do all the pulling up all the climbs. She just sat there. And then generally, Longer Breen is a much better climber, so you'd expect her to smash Chantel Black on the um, or Vandenbroek Black on the on the, the final climb. 
but because she's been sat on for 10k, which crazy, that's the that's part of the team game, isn't it? It's like you can't complain that after that. She's not the team leader. She's just a very good rider. So she's got to say she she can't work, and um, she just got her on the on the final climb. She pulled away and she, and she managed to win. Who um who's the really good? Uh, she's a young Belgian rider. She got a puncher. She was looking really strong. She got a puncher on one of the last gravel sections. Um, I'm just trying Is to find it Demi her did she have a no? Um, no, Not I don't there. think that's. She, yeah, she's really strong. I don't know if she's under twenty three, but she's she's young and new new to the new to the scene. And um, yeah, she was looking strong <laughs> and punctured, and it was a bit of a bit of a shame for her. But that's that's mm. Strada Bianca for you, isn't it? They messed up with the TV coverage a bit as well because they basically had. Yes, that's it. She's the only Belgian inside the top 60. Oh, wow. Jan Lippert um, came 61st. They basically finished the race too early. They were like too fast. Not too fast, but as in the coverage misjudged it. So um, yeah. they ended up having like 15 minutes of celebration ceremony where no one was there. It was just them on the podium, <laughs> which was a shame because it would have been great to have a bit more, you know, more racing from the other side. Like a cutscene from Fifty Fifty, just cheering in the crowd. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, I'd say from the highlights, it looked like a, a decent race, which Strider Bank always seems to to do, doesn't it? So it's always a yeah. I'm saying I'm calling it now. Strada is my second favorite race, better than Flanders. It's not that old, is it? Either it's the twelfth edition. It was. Is that oh, it? oh, Sam thinks 15. I think 12. I think 15. No, you're probably right. I'd pluck that out of the air. 21 <laughs> down to 7. That is 15th edition. <laughs> um, talk us to the men's race then very quickly, Seb. Men's race. So I did watch the majority. Well, that's the majority. I watched it from 40, 40k out again. So I don't know how the main break happened. I believe it was Quinn Simmons um, made the, the decisive attack. attack that um, sort of got that elite group clear. We would say there was, what, possibly 10 of the best riders in the world at the moment. And um, Michael Gogol, is that his name? Gogol. 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 Yeah, so 10 of Love the best it. riders in the world and him. <laughs> he, he must have had such, such imposter syndrome, must be in there. Um, but he he's won quite a big race, isn't he? In his past, I can't remember what, what he won at some point. He's won the he won a stage on the Tour de Under, I think it was. Let's have a look. Uh, yeah, top results. Uh, let's say eight was the gold race. Oh, there you go. He's he a, came ninth at Strada Bianca last year, for goodness' sake. Sick. Yeah, you expect this then, wouldn't you? Yeah. Um. So yeah, they 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 got away, and then uh, they were riding really well together. Uh, Quinn Simmons had a, a puncher at some point. And the Shimano neutral service did one of the worst changes you've ever seen um, with him. So he had to then chase back on a fair play to him. He managed to chase back to the chasing group, which had all the B, the B favourites like um, uh, Greg, and Ab- Greg Van Avermaet. Fuglesang. And others. Fuglesang, yes. Yeah, so all the, the B team. Um, he managed to with that group. And then, and then he had an amazing crash, didn't he? Where he, just, he just, you just saw him in a ditch suddenly. <laughs> upside yeah. down. What a shame. <laughs> Yeah, never mind. Um, <laughs> so after that, we then had the final gravel sector. No, it was the final gravel sector where I believe Alaphilippe attacked 
And that's what sort of dropped Pickcock and Wildman up. And that was like the first sign of anyone cracking. And um, even Vanderpool was a little bit slow to react on that sort of thing. But then that was, um, he was on Kwiatkowski's wheel, I think that's why. And he had that crash, didn't he? So I don't think Kwiatkowski could follow that move. So then Vanderpool yes. had to get around him. I, I think that, that was the, that happened on the, the one where Quinn Simmons attacked. Yeah, oh, no, you're right. Right. no, yeah, you're right. Yeah, that and that's, what, yeah, so. that's what made the, made the gap. Right. Yeah. So obviously Vanderpool was probably the only rider that could, could have bridged that. But yeah, so then on, on the final climb, Alaphilippe attacked again on the final gravel climb, sorry. And then uh, Vanderpoel followed, managed to get up to him, and then Bernal out of nowhere, which is behind them. And I think that's amazing from Bernal to actually like just bridge up to those two on like a slight like false flat. Like, I, I they, there we go. I thought those two had got away, and uh, they were they were clear. And again, they rode really well together towards the finish. They sort of they kept a, a good steady lead. Um, I think it was growing. A small amount of time, wasn't it? And, and eventually, sort of with about five, six k to go, you knew it was just down to those three. Um, and then Vanderpoel somehow managed to escape on a um, on a downhill because there was some, definitely some super tucks going on, some very questionable uh, positions. Um, but yeah, they, they all took their turns. No one was sort of soft pedaling that much really until that final climb into is it is it is Siena into Siena, yeah, um, where Vanderpoel just sat on the front just churned out a pace and you you were just waiting for Alaphilippe to go. That's all you're doing. I'm guessing he's sort of like the Ineos tactic of just setting such a high pace that no one could attack. Uh, and when he went, it was literally one of the most explosive attacks you've ever seen. And I actually thought, because he was swaying so much, I thought he like managed to like rip his foot out of the pedal at some point. <laughs> it sort of did look like that. But like, um, he was just unbelievable. And um, Alaphilippe was sort of just was accepted he was beaten. But now was probably at the start of the climb when this all happened because he wasn't even moving at that point. Um, yeah, and Van der Poel took quite a convincing win. Yeah, I've got some I've got some power numbers here. Uh, I yeah, think Van der Poel for... released the Strava ride, didn't he? He put it on Strava. Yeah, that's just, that's think... such like a dick swinging move, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, it is. He's like, I don't care if you know how good I am, I can still beat you. Yeah. I think for the last 90 minutes, his normalised power was something insane. Oh, yeah, here you go. Last 90 minutes, 439 watts mm. for an hour and a half. And he's and 76 then, kilos. Yeah. So you can do that. And then he cracked out 600 watts at the bottom of that climb and then went to 1,300 and then held it at 1,000. Like, it's just... Like, Wout van Aert, he won a sprint today. Spoiler alert. Um, at Torreno Adriatico against Caleb that. Ewan, and he, did, he did like eleven hundred watts, and it's like, well, what well I mate? That's a flat stage, but yeah, I mean, yeah, <laughs> it's, it's easier to get watts uphill though, and that's the thing. Yeah. Oh, you're def- are you defending what for art? Oh my goodness! Oh no, it's the first time's ever happened, isn't it? <laughs> Once again, what we've proved is talent beats hard work. <laughs> <laughs> Yes, yeah, yeah, well, 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 the second best sprinter in the world. So I'm calling it now. I don't care what people think. I'm going to say Matthew van der Poel is going to win a grand tour within two years. Really? You don't think he's too heavy? No, Miguel Indurain style. He's, it's going to change. He's that good that people are going to change around him and he's going to, things are going to be different. And it's already going that sort of way with how van Aert started riding and racing and i think the tour is going to become much more 
about being an all-rounder, being able to do everything, and stages are going to be turned on their head, and you're going to be able to get seconds and minutes on different stages, not just you wait for a climb, you have a train up it, and then a little light person goes up the road and wins wins the time. Um, I suppose it's like Garner as well, weren't they? They were saying there was word that he would ride for GC at some point because how yeah. ridiculous to ride up that climb. Yeah. Yeah. Rohan Dennis, you know, he started to show that, you know, those sort of riders can yeah. do those things. Like Rohan Dennis stayed with Jai Hindley, dropped Almeida, you know, led Gagan Hart up it. You know, that's not that far away from doing it himself. Well, I suppose it's like that's that's that was almost the only tactic with Wiggins and G, wasn't it, as well? It's like they were solid TT riders that could lose some weight and get up the climbs, but they could always yeah, put exactly. time into you in a TT and they could always hold it on the classic stage. So if sort of like this year the tour repeats itself in that every stage is, is, is could be the last and like they're going to race it flat out like a classic race, then this could definitely happen. Yeah. The, Although the one I'd, thing... two, I'd say Sorry. two years might be just because his, his sole focus this year is the Olympics. Yeah. He's going to the tour because he has to go to the tour, but he said he's pulling out and going to ride the Olympics and that, that's what he wants to do. So that might sort of inhibit him that he doesn't want to be racing for three weeks when his sole purpose is to race for an hour and a half. Yeah. And also he might not want to a bit like, you know, Sagan wasn't ever going to be a tour contender sort of thing, but he see, he's got that same sort of spirit of like, he just loves riding and racing his bike and is training and trying to become a GC contender, what he wants to do with his life. Or does he want to continue doing the cross, the mountain biking, the one day races where he gets, you know, all the love in Holland and Belgium and stuff like that. So he might not uh, even want to, but I think he's got uh, the potential to be able to do that. And even from that, it's like, he doesn't really care about the traditions or sort of the racing yeah, exactly. for racing's sake. He races almost like for fun. So it's like, you could think it's a stupid attack and he's throwing the waist away, but it's like, doesn't really care. It's like, no. he's just doing it because <laughs> he wants to win by 40 minutes. And I suppose yeah. when, like in a cross race, for example, you know, if he turns up, he's going to pull away in the second lap and he's going to win. And then that gets called boring. But so with road racing, if he's riding on his own for 40 minutes, that's exciting. So it's, yeah. uh, if that's what people want, but it, it, it could well happen. That's that's what starts happening in a few years' time. It's just that she, oh, Van der Poel's attacked and he's won, he's won his sixth Flanders. Yeah, because he is, he is that strong in that, you know, he can get in a group of people and even if they're not working with him, he, he still has so many options to win. And I think teams and and managers and riders are going to base how they ride you know on him just like how people were starting to do that with Sagan but I think he's way more talented than Sagan personally I think he could do way more damage and it's and it's basically like you could say he's not had got that good a racing brain because of that but it's sort of like he always has because he's just so confident in his own ability yeah exactly he knows he doesn't he doesn't need to race smart because he's just better than everyone yeah and he gets good training in like at um Kern Brussels Kern He's attacked just because he wanted to get some racing in his legs. So he just yeah. rode off the front. Because <laughs> in reality, at the end of the year, does anyone actually remember who won Kern Brussels Kern? No, no, no one really cares, do they? No one on this <laughs> podcast anyway. No. Yeah. <laughs> Someone in Belgium. <laughs> so um, what do you think is going to happen team-wise for him? for the next? Because he's 26, which actually in modern cycling times, mm. he's quite old. Compared to all yeah. these new riders and you can't call him like a prodigy, can you? No, exactly. You've got you know like Pidcock and you know even Jai Hindley, um, 
from the Giro. Well, I suppose what he is, though, is he is a star in the sense of he needs a team built around him. He can't join a team. It's like you can compare him to Sagan in in the sense that Specialised pay to have Sagan and have a team around Sagan. Canyon pay for Matthew Vanderpoel and or Mathieu Vanderpoel. Um, and they built that team up around him. The sponsors want to be with him. They don't want to be with the team. Whereas yeah. someone well, like Wout Van Aert, like his arch rival, but like Wout Van Aert's the type of character that he can fit into a team quite nicely. Like if, if Bianchi did a, or Cervello did a photo shoot, it'd be Wout Van Aert and three or four other riders with him. There's, there's no, Canyon don't market any other rider on that team. They only right. market him. Oh, like, poor Tim Millier. I mean, all, all the partners are about him. It's like, so that, that's his like star power, isn't it? It's like, He's probably going to be arrogant about that, and like he he knows that. But that's that's part of the package he's delivering is that he is what that whole team's about. It's going to be so, interesting for the rest of the team because I think it was in Kern Brussels Kern actually that he was meant to be working for Tim Malia, and when he rode off, he basically just said, oh, "I felt good, so I just rode off." Like I I wanted to try and win it myself. Yeah, that that's the thing is are people want are people going to want to work for him? Whereas like you'd work for Wild Wenar, wouldn't you? Because you know he's going to do. He's going to help you out at some point in, in later in the year, but with Van der Poel, it's like it's all about him, and almost because he doesn't necessarily need that. Many, like he proved it's Rada Benke, he doesn't need other people. He can bounce on another team and just sort of rely on them. But if it's more of a flatter stage, or like you said with the Grand Tour, that's when he's going to sort of need people that aren't just mercenaries on a payroll. They're sort of going to want to actually commit to it. Mm, yeah, it definitely. It's going to be interesting to watch over the next few years. Like how those how those legacies and those teams adapt to these massive stars and there's only more that are going to be coming you know same with pog and how they're gonna uae uh, i think he signed a six-year deal or something it's mad isn't it yeah is anyone on uae going to want to ride for him with like their hearts because he's helped them out throughout his career when he but all they've known is him as the leader yeah yes it's going to be you know would you you know if you've got young riders who feel that they now don't have to do like three or four years helping out being domestiques and they think they're stars are you going to go to a team like uae where pogs on it so are they going to get the best young riders or are they actually going to miss out on riders because actually they can't offer them much mm. and will you just end up with almost three versions of your team for each grand tour a bit like what ineos do you know you can join us we've got superstars but this will be your chance this will be your chance this will be your chance and does it just end up being a rotor system? So it's not actually the best players. A bit like with England cricket team. <laughs> you know, is it just because like like in primary school, everyone gets a fair go? Or is it going to be based on performance, right? You're, you're being shit. So actually you're out. We don't care. Which at pro level sport, it should be. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. So you're either winning or you're entertaining. There's no, there's no other choice. Yeah, exactly. Um. Did anyone see the first stage of the, um, is it called the Ageing Tour? The women's, you what? Right. The, the women's racing? The, yeah, the Healthy Ageing Tour. The Healthy Ageing <laughs> Tour, that's it. I haven't had a chance to right. watch it yet. I'm, I'm going to watch it tomorrow on my, um, on my trainer ride in the morning. But I saw a crash at the end and it was interesting. It was the rider from DSM. Uh, hang on a minute, I've got a picture of it. She um, is in the middle of a sprint. Um, she caught a wheel and crashed, but her skin suit um, had that um, Dyneema fabric 
you know, like almost oh, like um, elbow stuff. pads and stuff. Yeah, so yeah. it was um, Lorena uh, Vibes, I think, how you say her name. Um, yeah, she crashed. She must have been like 30, 40 miles an hour, slid fully on the on the tarmac for quite a way and literally didn't have any real bad injuries at all. Like no skin abrasions. The skin suit finished. She, yeah. she, was the, she was the last person, 90 seconds she came. It was Lorena really, Weeps. it was really cool. That's definitely going to be the um, the future. Yeah, I can't, I can't remember what team. I was wearing that. some. Yeah, I think it was it was um, Jumbo Visma. I'm sure at some point debuted like when they when they were back as um, Lotto Jumbo. They had like a Kevlar, I think, woven into their lycra shorts for, for that sort of thing. Yeah, I'm surprised it's not um, caught on soon. To be honest, like you'd yeah. think. You're essentially riding naked at 40 miles an hour. Hmm. And if it yeah, makes that much that... of a difference, that's brilliant. That's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. That, that is impressive. Unless was it just really slick tarmac. It was on a racetrack, <laughs> so it probably wasn't as abrasive as maybe it could have been. But I still reckon it saved quite a lot of uh, quite a lot hmm. of her skin, which is and it obviously means she can then race on or race better than if she had torn a load of skin off her thigh or something. So yeah, I thought that was just an interesting point to bring up in the racing roundup. Yeah, it's very tech impressive. News. That is tech news. You heard it here first. Yeah, that is tech news. Um, there is lots of other racing that has been going on. I mean, Paris Nice have been have been catching up with that old um, yeah. old helmet. Won it, didn't he? he won the stage. Oh, yeah, Bissinger. Mm. I was going to say, the, what was the um. That's what I was texting you both about yesterday about the crash with George Bennett. Oh yeah, with his helmet smashing. How? So it looks like the UCI just didn't follow any of their own protocol which they set up this year, and just the, the little man who was pretend, most pretending to be a doctor walks up to him whilst he's staggering around, holding his head, and his eyes are pointing in different directions. Nods it in, gives him the thumbs up, gives him a new helmet, <laughs> and says he's fine, what? and then they drive. If you up replace next a helmet. You should not carry on a stage. Yeah, no, you they knew that that's enough. <laughs> <laughs> they were like, they say like there's a protocol, like oh, if their helmet looks like it's damaged, or if they look like they're disorientated or something, then they need to go through checks, like asking them questions and stuff like that. And they basically didn't do any of that. And his helmet, the back of his helmet had fallen off. He'd hit his head so hard. And that's then insane. Oh, they gave him a new helmet, his team, and he carried on riding was chasing back to the bunch through the convoy and then the doctor the medic car pulled up alongside him again they asked him they it looked from the cameras as if they kind of asked him is he okay he didn't respond so they the doctors both looked at each other nodded and then dropped back again and that was their assessment so which i thought was crazy to be honest like it was absolutely mental but well obviously i think maybe they were aware of that because gagan heart crashed today and they took him out yeah, but that was the team that took him out, not the, okay. not the UCI. So I think that's the difference there is that the team were took their own initiative and realised that he probably shouldn't be riding. The danger is, I think, if you hit your head again is when you can properly have brain damage, isn't it? Oh, if you yeah. If you, if you hit it again, you can die. There's like a stupidly yeah. high high risk rate of that. And then so, you think, well, that was he fell quite... I think it was about the middle of the stage, wasn't it? So you think the risk is still high of him. Oh, potentially. massive. So I thought that, and the fact that 
there no there's no noise being made about it is there like no one you wouldn't if you didn't watch the race you wouldn't really know it happened like i'm just surprised it just gets pushed under the car yeah. or whatever again I, like it's mad. I, I suppose their their argument would be he passed the checks but they that, didn't uh, do the checks that's oh, what's right. wrong about it they didn't oh, do any check i'm just watching it now the second you're sort of doing like for about a minute, you're stood there sort of doing the eyebrows as high as they can go, wide eyes sort of face. Yeah. <laughs> you probably shouldn't be riding a bike. No. <laughs> it's all reminds you, down. is it the, the, the Tom Scoins one in the um, Tour oh, of California? Tour of California. Yeah, where he's running across the road on whilst people are still descending and he's like falling over. <laughs> that, that, that's because he's just trying to walk in cycling shoes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> But no, I just thought that was quite mad. Yeah, it's pretty horrendous, isn't it? Especially when yeah. they don't do anything about it, but there you are. Anyway. In other Paris news, um old Rog is is romping away at the moment with it. Mm. That's what I meant by helmet. I didn't realise the George the George Bennett was in Paris. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So Paris is over on stage two. Um, it's, st- it's stage five actually. Oh, is it? Fair enough. Yeah. Um, no, it's, it's quite good. It's, it's, there's quite a lot of crashes. It's a little bit sketchy, but um, great race. Yeah, it's quite. It's a decent, um, decent GC list that are on it. You have got Roglic, Shackman, McNulty, Vlasov, um, Matteo Jorgensen. He's in sixth place. I love him. He's great. He's the Movistar American guy. Uh, which didn't Richie cool. Porter crash again as well as always? Yeah, Richie Porter's out already. He's done his. Um, Pre-tour crash, femur, whatever it's oh. called. Oh yeah, that's nasty. Yeah, he's just not broken it, but just bruised it. So I think he did what I did, but probably worse. Okay. So he, he carried on the next. Didn't he carry on for the ride? I think he kept riding and then he abandoned mid race. Yeah, and mid stage. Yeah, pulled him out. Yeah, he just seems to crash every year. So I suppose you could say, well, at least he's got his bad crash of the year out of the way. Touchwood. That's true. I just but, feel bad for you know. Riders like Gilbert, you know, Richie Port and stuff like that, they must realise that the jig is up now for them, even though they're not, you know, they're still of such a young age compared to, you know, the general population. And yet, they must, you know, Gilbert must be looking at any classic and going, well, I've, I've literally got no chance compared to all these riders now. Mm. Sad times. It's over. <laughs> it's, it's all over. I, I, I want to be proved wrong. I'm all about the older underdog these days now. The vet, the masters races. <laughs> what is Cav racing? Speaking of old people, is he, he got what's he, he got a second place? He got yeah, yeah. Place I, I thought I saw that. That's why I thought I'd bring it up. Because only, only because Tim earlier started a sprint like three K out. <laughs> Van der Poel style. Yeah. Oh shit, I'm not Van der Poel. <laughs> Yeah, I saw he did an interview. Hang on. <laughs> Cav did an interview, um, which I saw, and they basically asked him, like, what did you, what were your aims at the start of the season, you know, when you signed the contract with the team and everything? And he basically just said, I don't care. I just want to race in Belgium because I think it's cool. And that was it. <laughs> <laughs> and that's all he said, like, with a massive smile on his face, <laughs> which I thought was quite funny. He essentially knows that his time is up, doesn't he? And he just wants to have a laugh before it before it's over i suppose but yeah yeah i hope he's got one one good one good finish in him you know one good result in him I, I, even like 
Okay. Even just, just one, you want one win. Like, I, I don't want to be the tour of Turkey. I want like <laughs> pre. Yeah, I just want like a stage of sort of um, the Dauphiné, something like that. Like stage mm. three of the Dauphiné. Yeah, somewhere with Bennett and Ballerini on, and Wout van Aert and Van der Poel. Yep, and Tij Benoit. So um, the other stage race is Torino Adriatico at the moment. The best trophy you could possibly win. Do you, do you win? Do you win? Do you the devil when you get it as well? <laughs> he just comes and lives with you. Yeah. <laughs> that that is something I don't want to win. Having met the man, <laughs> he's like a famous tramp, isn't he? Sort of like I remember in um, in Bournemouth there was Jordan the tramp. Who no matter when you he was a he was a Bournemouth season ticket holder and like he was like a legend around there. But you could always go and ask him the time. And no matter what, he tell you the time, bang on. <laughs> he was just, a lot of pressure for one He was man. so aware of his day, wasn't he? <laughs> Hyper aware of the time. Yeah. <laughs> Imagine oh being goodness. known for knowing the time. What a, what a legacy that is. Yeah. Incredible. Anyway. Um, so Van Art beat Caleb Ewan in a sprint. What do we think about that? That he's good at sprinting. Oh, well, who knows? We don't know what the sprint was like. Could be a messy. Mm. Um, could be just really good at sprinting. Yeah. I mean, regardless, you know, is there an excuse for a pure sprinter to be beaten by Wout Van Aert, regardless of Wout, the type of sprint? Van Aert won't rely upon... No, 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 there's not. But like, I suppose Van, Van Aert is not, he, he wouldn't ever expect to have a perfect lead out, whereas Ewan's sprinting is based upon, obviously he can jump wheels, but like if it's chaotic and, and whatnot, he's used to having a perfect lead out and that's, that's how he wins. That's how he wants to go toe-to-toe with the best sprinters, whereas Van Aert's just like, should go really fast and uh, <laughs> go when I need to go. I still think, I mean, if Caleb Ewan rocked up at a cyclocross race and beat Van Aert, that's the equivalent as far as I'm concerned. So yeah, no. no excuse. They need to have a long, hard look at themselves, those sprinters. I mean, yeah, ballerini, Caleb, Caleb Ewan in a cyclocross race. What would that look like? I should have getting over the hurdles. <laughs> Imagine trying to jump off and on his bike. How tall yeah. is he? Like four foot five? Imagine trying to get jump on and off of his bike. <laughs> um, also, what is Sagan doing? Is he just going to peter out into nothingness? Because that would be a real... I yeah, know, like a you, real anti-climax for his life. He's very anti-Sagan, isn't it? Yeah, like you'd expect him to go out with a bang and be like, "Yeah, I don't need this anymore." Not just be like, "Oh, I'm irrelevant now." Yeah, like he um, he's in Atletico. Isn't he getting sort of like? Isn't his contract on like seven million a year or something like that as well? Is like he is ha- he is having someone on. <laughs> yeah, that's the reason. Like, that's why S works cost uh, fifteen thousand pounds now. <laughs> we're, paying, we're paying. We're for paying Sagan. Sagan. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm just looking at who else. Who else we've got? Viviani came 22nd in the sprint. Yeah, well, doesn't, doesn't surprise you. That's about his normal position. Could you say that <laughs> in, as in in that context? Could you say he came 22nd in a sprint, or he just came 22nd? Like, is 23rd yeah. just not sprinting? You're not sprinting in that, are you? Like, no, when you can not. come, like Cav would have come fifth when he wasn't sprinting. Mm. or gave up early. Yeah, and a mother star rider beat him. Yeah, that says it all, really. 
Yeah, it'd be funny if Quintana beat him in a sprint. <laughs> Has Quintana ever sprinted? Actually, that's that's kind of a trivial question. I don't think Quintana's ever. ever I don't think he's ever touched his drops. What do you reckon his peak power is? Eight hundred? No, seven hundred watts. But he can just no. hold it forever. But he can hello. never go hello. above it. Hello, John. <laughs> My cat is trying to climb on me. <laughs> um. Yeah, so I'm the the healthy aging tour is on GCN Plus, and I've got to say, we're obviously not sponsored because no one fucking wants to sponsor us, so whatever. But the GCN Plus app <laughs> is so good. Yeah, we never none of them got. Oh, see, I I'm I've got, I I tried to use it on the iPad the other day, and my one complaint of the GCN app is it takes up a lot more bandwidth than Sky Go. So like oh. the, the the quality of the GCN Plus was terrible compared to Sky. Oh, okay. Um, I'll watch it on my laptop, so. That's probably better, yeah. It's, it's not one for the iPad, because one of those apps that is clearly a phone app, but the iPad version is just bigger, <laughs> so it just looks <laughs> awful. <laughs> yeah, fair. Okay, before we go on to, um, we'll do one last, one quick game of No More Sprinters, but looking towards... Oh, I, I had a game. Oh, have you got a game? Oh, perfect. Brilliant. We'll do that. Oh, I mean, I researched it. I mean, we, we've got six minutes left on this call, so I think that's the perfect time for this game. Um, very quickly though, what? How do you think the Spring Classics are going to go? I'm thinking uh, Flanders, Roubaix, Milan, San Remo. Who's is Van der Poel going to win them all? Yep, <laughs> that was easy. Yeah, he will. He's going to utterly dominate because every single one of those you can see about seven different ways he would win them. <laughs> Did you hear you the odds need... for Van, Van der Poel to win those three things, Seb? No, sorry, I was uh, walking downstairs, I was changing rooms. So, Flanders, uh, I... Flanders, Roubaix, and Milan San Remo, 50 to 1. Is that on a Trixie? Yeah. Oh, see, I wouldn't put him past that. <laughs> I mean, that is worth a fiver. Yeah, things that you think, like, what's the, oh, if you get 10 seconds at the top of the Poggio, you can win. It's like he could easily get 10 seconds at the top of the Poggio with one attack. And he, he could go to the line with Sam Bennett. Caleb Ewan and I still would back him to beat them yeah yeah definitely without their lead outs he will beat Sam Bennett without a lead out yeah yeah definitely well you, you know he's going to corner with the best in the world up there isn't he yeah exactly. that's one thing no no one, no one like it's not like oh my god Alaphilippe descending Sagan descending Nibli descending it's like you just accept that Hoat Van Aert and Van der Poel are amazing at descending and like you don't need to call, like no no one's like oh they're they're world leading at that they just are oh, they're, they're just there. So, Alaphilippe yeah. in Flanders and Roubaix a hundred to one, and Va- Van der Poel eleven to one. Sagan to win Tour of Flanders and Paris Roubaix sixty six to one. <laughs> uh, okay, well, welcome to waxing my chain game. Thank you for having us on Waxing My Chain Game. Thanks, all right. So, it's a little word association game. Nice quick fire. Not quite as long pauses as No More Sprinters. Um, nice and easy. But it's harking back to the old days of um, shit games. Yes. I'm going to say a word, and then you've got to say a cycling-related word after it, quick fire, with whatever it's got to start, wherever my letter ends with, my word ends with. Oh. nice and easy does it have so, to be related at all 
or not. It just has to be any word. Bike, bike related, preferably. We know we're loosely cycling based. Loosely. So we're going to start off. We'll go um, Sam, then Harry, then me. Okay. You ready? And we'll we'll call the pauses. We'll we'll, we'll strike each other out. You ready? Yeah. Chain. Yep. Uh, <laughs> that's not a pause. <laughs> <laughs> difficult though. That's yeah. I, mean, <laughs> I haven't thought of this. The second letter for this. Knee, knee warmers. Oh no, that's a K. <laughs> 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 He's crumbled. Oh, so is he one nil nil? Thank you very much. Right. Right. Next I'm word. going first. You ready, Harry? I'm wax. <laughs> Oh yeah, oh, come on. Xanax. I don't know. Uh, X-rated. Uh, the um, the shitty health oh, yeah. brand. The Apollo brand. Yeah. You're on D, Harry. Okay. I don't wait. What? I helped you out. I did an X. Yeah, but how, well, how do I not start off with what? I'm very confused. <laughs> what do I? Harry, so, how how did you wax. get to university? <laughs> <laughs> Sam said wax, so I said X rated. So you're yeah, no, you're, I know that. I D. get that part. Why do I have to say D? Because the word ends D in D. Oh, okay, <laughs> yeah. See what you mean? <laughs> I was thinking, how does wax end in a D? That how do you live without that... some sort of carer present? <laughs> <laughs> are, you, are you sure you're in Littlehampton? You're in McCarthy and Stone somewhere. <laughs> What was your upset? What did you start with for Sam? (laughs) Chain. Oh, yeah. And I just couldn't think of a word begin with N. That's why why my brain's struggling because we haven't got one yet. I don't don't think it exists. Um, Derailia. Red Hook Criteriums. Specialized. No, that's 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 another D. Um, S works. Saddles. <laughs> Stems. <laughs> um, skewer. <laughs> <laughs> Roundabout. Yeah, fine. Um, Tirreno Adriatico. Olive. Is it a brake olive? You know, a little bit on hydraulic brake hose. E E. <laughs> End cap. Pantani, brackets, Marco. Yes. Uh, Pantani, we go for an I-beam, as in the SDG saddles that used to be around. I-beam? SIPO standard, that is. <laughs> what? What does that end in? An M? It's an M, yeah. Okay. Mm. <laughs> Have you never seen IBM seat posts? 
No. They, 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 the SDG and some other American brands tried to bring it in as like a new way of having like instead of saddle rails, you have basically an I beam and then the the clamps like clamped onto the side of it, so you can have infinite adjustment and like independent angle as well. But right. what they didn't what they didn't do is obviously the rails and the seat posts give you loads of flex, and that's what causes comfort in the saddle. Whereas like they're just rock solid. They've got a really, like, obviously, I beams are used in buildings because they're really stiff and really light. <laughs> so you just have a horrendously strong saddle. <laughs> yeah, that's not good. Um, what am I thinking? M. Uh, Movi Star. I'm gonna say. Rear view. <laughs> rear view. Rear view mirror that you put in your little bar end cap. Oh, oh okay. Like or your helmet. Your Have helmet. you ever ridden? I remember I turned up for a group ride once, uh, like a club one, and um, there was multiple groups, and just looking across to another group, and someone just had a little mirror hanging down from their helmet. And you're like, oh no. <laughs> yes. I like that. Lets me know who the leader of the pack is straight away. I'm like that guy. <laughs> Well, because he's only looking behind him, isn't he? He's never looking ahead. He's just always true. looking behind. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> How many people there's, have I dropped? I mean, there's a me- there's a metaphor in there somewhere, Harry. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, bar end, I believe. Yeah. <laughs> uh, diamond back. UAE sprinter. Christoph. Oh, one to go. Um, Freddie Ovet. Freddie Ovet was that? Yeah, son of Chris Ovet, who and he rides for. Does he ride for Israel Star Nation now? What, Chris or Freddie? Freddie, is it Chris uh, Ovet? Who was the Ovet who was against Sebco? Don't know. Don't know. Steve Ovet. Chris over what a twat. Oh dear you. Um, <laughs> so that's we'll go for a tire. Tire ends in E, Harry. Yeah, no. <laughs> <laughs> I mean for, for everyone else's sake, we might have to buzz you out. No, I think it's for my sake as much as anyone else's really. <laughs> I mean, this game, does it end when we run out of words or when? <laughs> I mean, I think if it, if, it, if it ends when we run out of words, that was the first go. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm happy. I'm happy with that. That's a good ending. <laughs> <laughs> you said, Seb, you said at the start of that, that would be faster than no more sprinters. But if no, anything, it wasn't, I lied, yeah. Would be that would slow, yeah. Well, and, I backed us to just think of words over people better than we think of. <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> Did you listen back to the No More Sprinters game? I'm going to shoot not. Oh, I, I cut out loads of pauses, so it sounds quite. Fun. Oh, does it? <laughs> I, I still, I still like doing that. It's like you can make a send, you can make a waffling like into like two minutes. Yeah, much quicker. Um, so next week, everyone, we can be back with coach alex talking about aerodynamic cows um eating disorders so yes. slightly more informal slightly more formal topics and, and um, i've actually i actually thought of another 
definitely non-biased loaded question about myself that's not about myself <laughs> about um my friend fast yeah. fred fast yeah. fred or whatever his name is <laughs> yeah i can't remember what it was though but i thought of it on the drive to work the other day so i have to re- try and rethink of it nice yeah but thank you for everyone who's been sharing this and for emailing us and contacting us about it it's been really good i mean everyone does just say they really like the ones of alex on it and these don't get much <laughs> looking but that's okay it's good to good to have a bit of flavor every now and again a bit of stupidness a bit of inaccurate facts and then when alex comes on you know the Sam, real the real science comes in what is it what is a pie without its filling <laughs> absolutely all filler yeah. no killer <laughs> <laughs> right well cheers boys yeah, good luck, Harry, for the rest of the week. Yeah, try and stay just alive, in, Harry. That's just number one for you. Yeah, I'm going to do some <laughs> more maximum maximum effort sprints tomorrow. 204 beats per minute is the target. Uh, max power. That's a good name. Thanks. I got it off a hairdryer. <laughs> my, one of my favourite Simpsons quotes. Right then, boys. Well, have a nice week, and I'll catch you next week. Remember, everyone... Stay safe. Stay safe.